1: Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish independent WhatsApp channel.
0: On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international bestselling author Hemant Sunim telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love, and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms.
1: This is an Irish independent podcast. It's April 2022 and global authorities serve notice on the Kinahan cartel. Very pleased to be here today for this important announcement of a series of actions our countries and organizations are undertaking jointly to counter the Kinahan transnational criminal organization. Since then, the authorities in Ireland and abroad have been cracking down on their operations. Irish Independent, Monday the 15th of November 2021. Kinahan Cartel Associate Graeme the whig Whelan has been jailed for 18 months for money laundering offences. Independent, 2nd of June 2022. The
0: Special Criminal Court has ordered the seizure of a Mercedes worth an estimated €50,000 from an international crime gang member. Sunday World, Monday February 5th, 2024. Senior Kinahan Gang Member Whelan is listed as a director of Eco Green Wheelie Clean Ireland. It was listed for strike off by the Company Registration Office on Monday of this week.
1: Kinnean Cartel Lieutenant Graham the Whig Whelan and mob money launderer Thomas Rooney are the latest organised crime figures to be caught up in a crackdown on rogue companies by Irish authorities. I'm Ellen Coyne and today on the Indo Daily I'm joined by Niall Donald Deputy Editor at the Sunday World to uncover the striking figures behind struck-off companies as authorities try to tackle the underworld crime lords. So, Niall, uh, can you start by telling us why is Graham Whelan back in the headlines this week?
0: Well, he's back in the headlines probably for a much less exciting reason than some of his previous uh, appearances. But it's basically uh, because a company that he set up is due to be struck off, and these are sort of relatively routine uh, things that happen by the company's registration office, where they they strike off companies that are inactive or, or you know, not being not filing accounts. But of course, Graham Whelan is. Company did become a feature in a in a, a case taken by the criminal assets bureau, where they heard about an eco company really cleaning wheelie bins. Um, you know details were given about money going through those accounts, and he's he subsequently went to prison. And now the company has been inactive and is being struck off.
1: Okay, and um, so tell us a little bit about uh, Graham Whelan, also known as the Wig,
0: known as the Wig for probably a. Uh, the reasons that are lost in history, but I think it was something to do with he had a really long fringe as a teenager, and okay. it stuck with him. It wasn't <laughs> actually one of the media nicknames, you know. It was a genuine nickname, a grassroots nickname, nickname, okay, a grassroots nickname, or uh, literally. But um, yeah, no, I mean the Graham Whelan. Um, was first in the papers as a 17-year-old um, because he was at the center of probably the most infamous uh, cocaine bust in the history of Irish gangland. Um, there was 1.2 million pounds worth of coke was discovered in a Holiday Inn in 2000. And the fallout from that led to the Crumlin drimna feud. Um, one side sided with Brian Radigan, one side sided with Fat Freddy Thompson but a 17 year old who was there when the drugs were seized was Graham Whelan and he ultimately went to prison for six years for that seizure but that seizure, it still is relevant even today, 22 years on
1: but That's amazing that yeah. he's been kind of immersed in this world for so long and from such a young age.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he wasn't obviously named initially when the, but by the time he was, it came to court. He was eighteen and he was named, and he famously told the police he'd do the time standing on his head, and and in fairness to him, he did. Um, he he probably earned a, a reputation as a result as a stand up soldier in that world that he that he came from. He took did his time didn't give names was a young man I think there's a scene in in A Bronx Tale famously where where you see that kind of attitude and he as a result he came out and he became uh, remained involved in, in organised crime um, was a suspect uh, for being involved in the drugs trade in the south inner city he was a very close uh, pal of Liam Byrne and David Byrne David Byrne he would be uh, ultimately shot dead in the Regency He earned his reputation, I suppose, through that that drugs bust. But over the next uh, 20 years, his name was always being uh, linked to the crimes associated with the Kinnaghan cartel. In particular, that branch of it, the the Burn Organised Crime Group.
1: So a very prominent figure.
0: Very prominent figure. um, At one stage... He did leave the country for, for the same reason that a lot of people did. I mean, that, that the Kremlin-driven feud, I think, depends how you categorise it, but there was up to 18 people killed and a number of them ultimately would leave the country at periods of time because of safety concerns. This is the latest Garda report on the feud and the gangs behind it. It catalogues a decade of shootings, stabbings and pipe bombings, which has left 15 people dead and a community under siege. Graeme Whelan went and lived in Birmingham, which became a kind of a, a, a second city for Irish criminals, really, and largely because of the uh, a guy called Thomas Bomber-Cavanagh, who was based there, who would have been the Burns' uh, uh, brother-in-law. He's ultimately now behind uh, bars in England for, for drug trafficking offences, serving a 22-year prison sentence. So Graeme Whelan went over and and was involved with him over there, and then he, he continued to have a role in organized crime. Um, ultimately after the Regency Hotel and the, the emergence of the, the Hutchkin feud, he was brought back into to Dublin. Um, he returned around 2016, um, he set up a number of companies including this one in particular, he was in and out of the country at that time. And on one of the occasions when he was back in the country, he stayed in a, a very luxury hotel, put it that way, in, in Ballsbridge. And while he was there, he was raided by Guardi. And that began a kind of a, a process of of where both the guards prosecuted him. Ultimately, he he was discovered with a relatively small sum of money. Considering what what these guys can have, um, he was also discovered with a luxury watch. I won't even attempt to pronounce it because I don't <laughs> I don't know what it is. There wasn't a Casio. That's probably <laughs> my extent. But he was he was discovered with a watch. I think it was worth twenty eight thousand or, or something like that. And um, when he was questioned by by the guards about where he had this sum of money, which was a couple of thousand, um, he said he got it from up a Swiss roll. And he said, um, you know, he told guard the guards to Google him to, you know, if you want to know who he is and what he's about. So that began a kind of a, a process where ultimately he was convicted of money laundering and was given an 18-month prison sentence. But also then CAB had begun a case or begun an investigation that would lead to um, 75,000 being taken off him. Um, and he went into prison. Was out, He's out about a year. He's now... Um, popping up in a different way, I suppose, in, in social media, uh, dating the sister of a celebrity. Um, just before he went into prison he suffered a, a deep personal tragedy, his partner died. So In this, in the court case he, he spoke about that and how he was going to change his ways and look after his four kids, so time will tell, but um, he's been one of those people that have been at the centre of organised crime for over you know two and a half decades now at this stage.
1: It's so interesting when you have these huge, colourful figures and you think about the very serious crimes that yeah. they've been associated with. But then you have something that seems a little bit more pedestrian, like not filing accounts yeah, on yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. But it kind of helps us to understand like who these people are and how they work. Um, and I think there was another company that was listed to be struck off belonging to Thomas Rooney. Is that right?
0: Thomas Rooney would have been, unlike Graham Whelan, he would not have been somebody that people would have known the name of. He never would have appeared in, in, in the newspapers until he, till he was uh, charged, um, but he was a key member of, was described in court as a transnational uh, gang, he was described as a mid to high ranking member um, and that was a gang controlled by a guy called Thomas Marr. Uh, Thomas Marr is from Clara County Offaly, not necessarily a hotbed of organised crime um, and Thomas Marr is currently serving, I think it's 24 years in the UK he was a, a trucker he was involved in the trucking business he at some point uh, left Ireland under under suspicion of of a Garda investigation but he became a very key figure in the logistics business of drug trafficking and um, like drug trafficking is 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 not just getting drugs in on ships what you also have to do then is move it around the countries that it's going to um you also have to then collect that money, which is nearly always cash, and there are obviously bitcoins and electronic payments, but a lot of it is a big bulk of money, which is more bulky even than cocaine. So Thomas Meyer was heavily involved in the movement of both the drugs and the money across Europe, in mostly in the UK, but also back to Ireland. And one of his key men was a guy called Thomas Rooney, and he was ultimately discovered in possession of, I think it was 289,000 in cash in a, I think it was a spar hold all bag um, and also 65K in sterling. And that that was part of what that gang did, which was get the money out of the country, back to the people ultimately, you know, who knows how far it goes. Thomas Rooney um, ultimately was given six years. He was also subject to to other orders where a car was seized off him. Um, but again, he had a company just like Graham Whelan. They have to have um, in order to have some income in Ireland um, these guys tend to have companies as well to show legitimate income. And um, yeah, it's another it's another strike off. Um, but again, that was a really interesting sort of gang led by, by Mar. He came to a prominence because he was arrested as part of the death of the migrants in in the refrigerated truck. Our main story is the discovery of 39 bodies in a lorry container in Essex. The vehicle, which is thought to have crossed the English Channel from Zeebrugge in Belgium to the port of Tilbury in Essex, was apparently being driven by a 25-year-old man from Northern Ireland who has been arrested on suspicion of murder. He was never charged in connection with that, but he really came to the police attention then. He had owned one of the trucks, the truck that was used. He was raided. He did an interview then saying had nothing to do with it, which in, in fairness he didn't seem to have done in particular, um, but it certainly sort of opened the attention on him and ultimately he was he was caught on one of the encrypted phones with just a series of messages, these EncroChat chat phones that were hacked into, just about the movement of drugs back and forth through the UK, it was a, a, a multi-million pound business run over these encrypted phones. And you could see it was all logistics. You collect this, you drop this. Really, really interesting stuff.
1: So it seems like he had a fairly imp- like, impressive drugs logistics business, but it was only after the death of these migrants yeah. that actually brought him to the attention of the authorities. Oh,
0: 100%. Um, now he may have been they may have had them on on some sort of lists anyway but certainly then they started looking at people in particular the scale of it i think was surprising to everybody involved and and just that's a really key role in 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 these organized crime gangs these international crime gangs who, who really rely on people to to move stuff around the place you know
1: another person whose company was listed for strike off is Marcus Sweeney, who people might know of as, I don't know, would you describe him as a kind of former socialite?
0: Well, he he, he, he doesn't like that description, but oh, right. he doesn't like any of uh, descriptions, I think. I mean, Marcus Sweeney, I think it's fair, though, to say he was a socialite. Um, he was forever associated with the, the Celtic Tiger, striking looking guy, um, would have been a regular in places like Lily's and Reynards. I don't know if that was of your vintage <laughs> but it was of mine. But um, So he appeared on all these, these social pages, but famously he dated Katie French and he became a kind of a national celebrity when they had a big row over a photo shoot and he interrupted it and demanded it stop. Um, and then Marcus Sweeney uh, kind of went quiet after the Celtic Tiger. But he reappeared in 2019. He kind of hit the headlines again. The reason it was is that um, he was arrested in connection with a heroin uh, seizure. Now he was arrested but never charged. Two guys who were um, effectively uh, Turkish mafia guys in the UK were ultimately discovered with 1.2 million pounds worth of heroin in uh, in in a. A location in Dublin. Um, Marcus Sweeney had met with them earlier in the day. He was arrested but released, never charged. Um, but that began a, a Criminal Assets Bureau investigation into him. Um, they ultimately focused on a company he had set up, Evergreen Wealth Management. Um, that company had bought a field. Um, in 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 County Dublin, um, and that became the subject of this cab investigation. And famously, it went to court. Marcus Sweeney didn't contest it, but during the the summation from the judge, he described Marcus Sweeney as being up to his oxters and organised crime, um, which means I think armpits actually. Which That's I did, right I did, I did Google <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> and in that um, case, then you heard how. Um, according to cab that that a major criminal gang in in Dublin known as the family and um, one of the key members of that gang had invested money according to cab uh, given it to Marcus Sweeney and that field had been bought with the proceeds of crime and um, that wasn't contested ultimately and um, that that piece of land will be seized by the state and sold off it was it was auctioned off and the company then would be due for one of these routine strike-offs, I think, where, you know, if, if there hasn't been action, basically, uh, they do get struck off. It's a kind of a complicated story. Um, obviously, Marcus Sweeney became a TikTok star in the aftermath of it and I suppose took offence to some of the t- stuff that was being said, but that is what the court said and that is what the court judged and uh, the field of dreams is, is gone, I suppose.
1: And he has uh, got a bit of a reputation for being a little bit hypersensitive to yeah. media coverage about him.
0: Well, I suppose none of us would want to be uh, get that type of media coverage uh, so we can understand it on that level. Um, obviously, Katie French's death was really, really tragic and you know but it was really really big news at the time as well I think she was probably the first really well known Irish person that had maybe died in that manner um, and Marcus Sweeney got catapulted into the limelight and he, he took offence at that and that you know he was forever associated with, with, with her tragic death which is judged mm. to be as a result of cocaine use and now he'll, he'll say well I just he and he has said various types of Explanations in that I just bought a field and I didn't know this and I didn't know about the guys that were investing. Um, so, but look, I suppose that's the nature of social media. People are allowed to give their defense and the public can read the core copy.
1: It's really interesting, though. Like you've taken us through three figures there, who obviously have their links to serious organized crime might vary. But the one thing that they have in common is that they they have these kind of companies yeah. that have gotten into yeah. into trouble for not having the proper paperwork yeah. filed. I'm really interested, like how how common is it for people in this world to use these companies, and is it kind of just routine that they're being listed for strike off, or does that mean that people are kind of closing the net on?
0: If you look at the Kinnons, um if you look, go back to the, t- the early 2000s, you will see Daniel's name on a couple of companies and you'll see nothing from them. Through all of that time, they completely stopped registering in any companies. If you live in Ireland and you have your assets in Ireland, you have to be able to show some income. And this is not focusing on these three people in particular, but co- if, if you're a criminal and you're involved in that world, you have to be able to justify your spending. So there was always a couple of kind of cash businesses that that really appealed to the criminal figures, stuff like bouncy castles and, um, you know, taxi businesses where people are exchanging cash. And that would be a way, you know, to justify an income without having to hand in receipts. But you see, I suppose, the strength of over the last decade in particular, how the Criminal Assets Bureau, and you saw that with the Burn Organised Crime Group, how how they were able to penetrate those kind of structures. Um, they were able to focus on discretionary spending, holidays, clothes, and able to show that they that in that case it couldn't be justified by by declared income. So I think the Criminal Assets Bureau have really got a handle on on that type of spending. But there was a time, maybe a decade ago or a bit more, where people felt, in in the criminal world, felt comfortable registering a company. We've become, as a state, sophisticated at least in, in tracking the spend of money.
1: And my thanks to Niall Donald for joining me today. I'm Ellen Coyne and today's episode of The Indo-Daily was produced by Gareth Mulhall, researched by Tabitha Monaghan, with sound by John Smith. Voiceovers were by Sirsha Mulgrew, Colin Brennan and John Smith. Archive clips from BBC News, RT News and The Irish Independent. If you enjoy The Indo-Daily, don't forget to follow the podcast and leave us a review.
0: Shachtum, an Indo as Geliger. Time a mon end of Chacht erachorp, Agus Suligum a Machan Shaw, Gurfeger echor, Inuik cart, Len of Winter thing. Schilti, vis, turme.
1: Tashe nach vetach, ara, igornamion, uncheschin echol. Vintonamaginomgrev, or carn rachtum, Yatakshatarin Griven, or car son, Elisduhaguskimina fract, Gor Kligsardukishenecher. And even our own 3rd or accession, Ven Marev.
0: Shachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms.